We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 19th, 2008. And today we're going to be discussing the new film that's come out recently entitled The Zeitgeist Addendum. Now we've talked about the Zeitgeist before. Uh, in a previous teaching, I've done another interview on the internet regarding it. But this is a new portion of it, and it advances the agenda of the first zeitgeist further. And I think it's something that we need to look at. I've had a lot of people emailing me about this. There's been a lot up on the internet already about it. And um, I think it's good to address this just early on in order to be able to actually have an answer for, for the things that are presented here. The first article that we're going to be uh, quoting from is entitled Zeitgeist Addendum Toward a Technocratic Communitarian Cybernated Society. That's a mouthful. It starts out by saying, Peter Joseph is naive and has been swayed by teacher after teacher. In the first Zeitgeist, which the word is a Hegelian concept coined by Jonathan Gottfried Herder of the Bavarian Illuminati, believe it means spirit of the age. Uh, in the first sight, guys, this Peter Joseph was obviously enamored with a woman called Akaria S. and her occult theosophical secret tradition interpretation of ancient history. In the Zeitgeist addendum, he has a few new solution-oriented gurus of the same ilk. So it's basically the same thing, except the agenda is being pushed further. He's got a few... Uh, new gurus he's calling upon in regard to giving us truth, his version of the truth. Whereas the Bible says in Proverbs 14.22 that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, all of these teachers appeal to this particular man and, and his heart in his heart, they feel right. So Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 28.26 says, He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So this is what we get a lot when we get into these, these New Age exposés. We get a lot of opinions, and a lot of them are, are absolutely... Sometimes you get into the channeling, um, the, the psychics, the, the automatic writing, the things of this nature, like with Alice Bailey, what she got into. We're going to be talking a lot about her today. And you have to see where the source of this stuff originates from. Because the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, we have to look at the foundation of where these concepts are coming from. We proved in the last teaching, regarding the first zeitgeist, that they are demonic in origin, okay? They're evil in origin, and their claims can't even be backed up. Now, this is part of the strong delusion that God said He was going to send. And let's just look at that portion of Scripture real quick, because we have to understand that a lot of people are very confused over the fact that there's such strong delusion, and so much of the, quote, church is buying into the strong delusion, and they're wondering why this is happening. Well, let's just go to Second Thessalonians 2, uh, well, let's just go to uh, verse 7. This portion of Scripture starts out, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7, and we're going to be reading through 12. It says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So... When we look at verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let, and he'll be taken out of the way. This is sometimes referred to as the restrainer that is holding this mystery of iniquity back. The, uh, many times referred to as the Holy Spirit that is holding back this, this mystery of iniquity. And, and then once, this is, uh, once the Holy Spirit has been, uh, the restrainer has been lifted, Okay, then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy the brightness of his coming. I had a man the other day email me, and actually, the email started out fine, and then it got into the fact where he told me that he was Michael the Archangel, incarnate, and that he was the restrainer. He was this restrainer that we're, we're talking about, really, in verse 7. 
and uh, on and on and on, and that he was going to roar like a lion and this and that. And I just thought to myself, man, you talk about pride goeth before a fall and how pride blinds people. There are so many people in today's day and age that have built themselves up to such a high and lofty position. It is absolutely sickening. Whereas the Bible says to this man, will I look to him that is of a meek and quiet spirit and trembleth at my word. And we're talking a man that's actually demon-possessed absolutely demon-possessed, thinking that he's doing God's work, thinking that he is Michael, the archangel, thinking and having the audacity to think that he is the restrainer on the world. I I tell you, man's ego and man's pride knows no end. I I just, it was mind-boggling. This guy was serious. He And he was coherent. He wasn't like a rambling madman. Um, and he told me basically that if I if I choose not to uh, accept what he's saying, that I am a liar, and that you know this and that. And I thought and I, I I emailed him back a scathing rebuke, which I think we should. Um, you know, the Bible talks very much about um, rebuking such an one sharply that they may be found sound in the faith when it comes to these types of issues. Uh, and really, the thing is, is he. He's not even operating in any kind of Christianity at all. He's, he's got his own little religion that he's created for himself, elevated himself up onto a platform of godhood, which is very common. This is how a lot of cults get started with people like him. And it was my prayer that these types of people are not... It's one thing if they want to go to hell and they want to take themselves to hell, but I take offense when they, when they try to gather followers and take them to hell. That's when I really take big offense to that. And my prayer was that that did not happen. You know, that he was not allowed to permit to take other people's de- other people to hell with his ball of lies that he is espousing forth, okay? And so anyway, I, I just wanted to, to mention that. So then we go further. It says in verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now again, I've said this a lot before, but the main way that Satan is going to deceive and his followers, and many of his main followers are going to deceive, is with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So, just because somebody, let's say, uh, uh, let's say if there's somebody that has, or is, is operating in the realm of what we call miracles or signs and wonders, that doesn't mean a thing at all, unless it lines up with the Word of God. Okay, So, the Word of God is always the standard. The Bible says thy word is truth, okay? And it is it is the truth that we have to judge everything else. If these signs and wonders and things are not pointing people directly to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his death, burial, and resurrection, to his shed blood on the cross, to salvation in, you know, through him and him alone, if they're not pointing to that and they're pointing to some other man or some other religion, the Catholic religion is probably the best example of this that I could possibly think of because that that religion is absolutely totally guided and based out of lying signs and wonders people you know flock to Medjugorje or or, or lords or you know fatima and these all these places and these are lying signs and wonders but what it is is people will see these lying signs and wonders and they'll think wow this is of god because it has to be of god because it's a miracle even though it doesn't line up with the Word of God, even though it's contradictory to the Word of God, even though the message that's coming from these apparitions and these types of things don't line up with the Word of God and they're contradictory, that doesn't matter to them because miracles make them feel good. Lying signs and wonders tickle your flesh and you see them. So therefore, it takes really no faith to believe in it because you've seen it, even though you're being deceived. So... Remember, this is the main way that Satan is going to come. And it said, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So this is something that we need to be on guard against in regard to being deceived. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Then verse 10 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. Now, what's the main reason all this happens? Why why does... Why does Satan come with all lying signs and wonders and deceivableness of unrighteousness? It says right here, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay, now I understand there's only one way we get saved. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay? These are the way we, we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. Okay? But 
because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And then it says in verse 11, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Now it says God is the one sending the strong delusion. And that's what we're talking about with this whole zeitgeist material and all the other things that we get into on a, on a weekly basis. So God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned who received not the truth. Well, no, God's just a God of love. He would never do any of this. Smiley Joe told me in, in his big uh, you know, stadium church out in California, and Benny Hinn and all these other guys... Well, you know, there's another side to God. There's, there's, there's balance with God. Okay? He's just not, yes, he's perfect love. He's also perfect judgment. Okay? So, verse 12, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay? So, if you have a lot of people walk around having pleasure in unrighteousness, you know, they're not going to believe the truth. And most people today will not believe the truth. They will not believe, you know, the Bible. They will not believe how current events are leading up to the fulfillment of the Bible, particularly Revelation and Daniel. They, they just won't believe that. It doesn't really matter. Don't confuse them with the facts because their mind is made up. And unfortunately, the majority of the people in the 501c3 corporate church in America are in that boat, unfortunately. Uh, they're believing a lie. They've never been, they've never been taught the truth. Uh, they don't have the right Bible. They've got some, some, Perversion Bible, and we're going to get into that a little bit today. We're going to give you one example of why it's so important to have a King James Bible. Just one. There's many. There's thousands, but uh, we're going to get into that a little bit as, as well. So I'm going to continue with this article. And it says, The one-time New Age Theosophical False Christ, K. Krishnamurti, begins and ends the Zeitgeist Addendum. Okay, so they this... This one-time New Age Theosophical False Christ. He begins this uh, zeitgeist addendum. He begins and ends it. He was thrust, this this uh, false Christ was thrust upon the utopian socialist underground at the beginning of the 20th century by the theosophy head and Fabian socialist Annie Besant and Freemason C.W. Ledbetter. For something that purports to espouse a modern, non-superstitious-based understanding of the world, well, let's just say that it's social, that it's hypocritical and deceitful not to even identify the, the theosophical undercurrent throughout both films or the outright socialism of the latest. So, in other words, there is a big-time theosophical or, or theosophy, which is what Madame Blavatsky started, you know, over a hundred years ago. And she was a very, very, very high-level occultist Luciferian, and there's there's a theosophical undercurrent that runs through both of these films. And I don't really think I got into that a lot on my uh, my teaching on the first part of the zeitgeist. So this is kind of a good thing that we're doing uh, because this really gets into that. The, the outright Luciferianism and exposing that Satan is the one that is bringing forth this information. And there's also a lot of um, socialism, communism, Marxism in, in this uh, latest edition as well. And then it goes on to say, though Peter Joseph hasn't admitted his theosophical bent at 1 hour 35 minutes and 37 seconds into this film, he tips his hand by the obscure mention of what is called intellectual materialism, a term used by Madame Blavatsky herself in Lucifer magazine. Yes, she had a magazine called Lucifer magazine. Okay, Um, Actually, she didn't. It was more so Alice Bailey at that time. Uh, but it was it was a term used by Blavatsky herself, and then it goes on to say and touts the true divinity of man. He, in other words, during this during this particular uh, uh, zeitgeist addendum, he touts what they call the true divinity of man. In other words, man is a god, which is the same lie that was told to Eve in the Garden of Eden when Satan came to her and tempted her with the uh, fruit of the knowledge of the uh, tree of good or evil. And essentially said to her, you know, you shall be as gods if you eat this fruit, okay? And it's always been selfish, carnal man's greatest desire to be as God. Now, I don't really understand that. I don't want to be God. I don't want to be a God. I mean, maybe at some point when we're in heaven, or or I don't know how the Lord Jesus Christ is going to work everything out, okay? But I know one thing. I have no desire to be a God, okay? Because if I was God, I'd mess everything up. I know I would. 
Okay, I would mess things up real bad. So I don't understand this desire that men. But I think what it boils down to is that people do not want to be accountable for their own sins. So if you're a god, well, hey, I'm not accountable for anything. I can do whatever I want to do. I think that's why it appeals to so many people. Then, then the whole power trip, ego, pride thing—you throw that in there. So, but anyway, he he he's touting this true divinity of man, and then the New Ager, uh, John Perkins, who who wrote this book, uh, the uh, Economic Hitman. John Perkins has experienced the seething energies of Lucifer as well. At one forty-three oh seven, he talks, and this is at one forty-three. An hour and 43 minutes and 7 seconds into the Zeitgeist Addendum. When I say that, that's what it means. He talks of the bliss of connectedness in our God's spirit. While an illumined man makes a gesture with his hands of a triangle in front of the sun. Now, this article that I'm quoting from today is written in a very, very disjointed way. Okay, this is probably one of the most poorly written articles I've ever... Tra- so it's very hard for me to articulate all this... Um, Today, it's, it says a lot of good stuff, but he just wrote it in such a poor way, gr- grammatically, that I'm having a hard time kind of <laughs> getting all this out to you, okay? But it will get smoother as we go along. I just didn't really want to leave any of this out as well. So if we go further, in the Zeitgeist Addendum, Part 1 is based upon Ellen Brown's uh, called Web of Debt. Part 2 is based on the New Age shamanistic practitioner, communist apologist John Perkins, who wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman, whom the, whom the left view as an acceptable conspiracy theorist. After writing that the IMF, or the International Monetary Fund, stated goal was to save us from all the evil clutches of communism, Perkins, this John Perkins who wrote this economic hitman, he immediately quotes from communist Mikhail Gorbachev's buddy, Jim Garrison. So again, I'm just going to be talking about a little bit things today so you can understand who are the people that are they're quoting from, who are the sources that they're citing, what is the foundation of this This quote reads, taken cumulatively, this is from Mikhail Gorbachev's buddy, Jim Garrison, taken cumulatively, the integration of the world as a whole, particularly in terms of economic globalization, and the mythic qualities of free market capitalism represents a veritable empire in its own right. No nation on earth has been able to resist the compelling magnetism of globalization. Few have been able to escape the structural adjustments and the conditionalities of the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, or the arbitrations of the World Trade Organization. He goes on to say, Such is the power of globalization that within our lifetime we will likely see the integration, even if unevenly, of all the national economies in the world into one, into a single global free market system. That's from Jim Garrison, America as Empire, uh, page 38. It was written in 2004. Okay, so, you know, basically we're moving into this single world global economy. Is, is the point that's being made here. Garrison is an insider's insider. Indeed, in the last sentence of the above quote, he had, a, he had successfully predicted the current situation, which seems to be occurring as we speak. I mean, with the global meltdown that we talked about last week, I felt as though this was a good time to get into this because this was released right at the peak of all the turmoil we went into uh, with the markets that were collapsing. Now, I know they had a rebounding week, but one week doesn't doesn't fix everything. You cannot fix a system that's irretrievably broken, is, I guess, the point. So, this was released for a very specific reason. We're going to get into that. Jim Garrison is the president of the Technocratic State of the World Forum, organized by the Gorbachev Foundation, who's one of the most evil New World Orders on the planet, Gorbachev. This is the realization of Gorbachev's lofty goal of the Global Brain Trust. He has this uh, Global Brain Trust. In its first meeting in 1995, the former head of the Communist Empire had gathered nearly 500 senior statespeople, this is Gorbachev, political leaders, spiritual leaders, scientists, intellectuals, business executives, artists, and youth from 50 nations to begin a process of deliberation on the central question of what priorities, values, and actions should guide humanity 
as it moves into the next phase of its development. And this is a that was a quote from Jim Garrison, president of the Gorbachev Foundation, and one of the main men that's quoted in this Zeitgeist addendum that we're talking about today here. So, um, wow, I mean, this is he he gathered 500 senior states people, political leaders, spiritual leaders. I guarantee you, these were not true Bible-believing Christians. Okay, these were these were like people of um, of many different religions. Okay, all of them works-based. All of them going to take you straight to hell. All of them are going to get on the same playing field sooner or later, and we're going to have the one-world religion as predicted by the Bible. Okay, so that shouldn't be anything that should surprise us or upset us. The Bible said it was going to happen. As, as we quoted earlier, the Bible said he's going to, or God said he's going to send the strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned or receive not the love of the truth. So this isn't things that should upset us and frighten us. Um, these are things that the Bible clearly predicted were going to happen. But he had all these different people coming together and essentially they were to begin this process of deliberation on the central question of what priorities, values, and actions should guide humanity as it moves into the next phase of development. Well, I can answer that question very easily. It's just the Word of God. I don't need to have bring 500 people together. I don't need to bring one people to, person together. The, the Bible is very clear. The Word of God is what should guide our actions. Okay? Again, Thy Word is truth. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.105 and, and when you have all these people gathering and totally leaving the Bible out of the equation and thinking, you know, we're going to come up with something because we're so smart. And we're talking, probably every one of them were probably demon-possessed. So what is the actual thing that is guiding this organization? It's, it's Satan. It's evil. Okay? And yet they think they're going to come together and they're going to solve all the world's problems. And they themselves are the are one of the main sources of those problems, okay? Because they're demon possessed. We're not going to get a good biblical answer from some from someone that has been totally corrupted, okay? When they come together and they do these things, and they don't care what the Bible says, they don't give any regard to it. They are despising. They do despise the Word of God. They, they absolutely hate it, abhor it, don't want anything to do with it. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 13, now 13 being the number of rebellion, I thought that was kind of interesting. This is 13, 13. Proverbs 13, 13 says, Whoso despiseth the Word shall be destroyed. So this is ultimately their, their end, and they're putting themselves in a very precarious position. This... Uh, quote by Jim Garrison ends by saying human interdependence he continued must now become our watchword as we move into the global civilization which lies ahead interdependence with each other interdependence with the earth interdependence with the spirit which perennially guides the affairs of humankind yeah the spirit he's referring to is the mystery of iniquity Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put lightness for dark and dark for light, and sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. Well, that's what these people do. They call evil good and good evil. They've got everything mixed up. Now, he's talking about, you know, in order for us to move into this global civilization, we have to have interdependence on each other, interdependence on the earth. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So this is something that we should always be doing, acknowledging the Lord, because when we acknowledge the Lord, the Bible says he will direct our paths. So if we try to take credit for everything that we're doing, how can he direct our paths? If we acknowledge the Lord, then He can direct our paths. We trust in the Lord. We lean not unto our own understanding. We, we trust in what the Word of God says. But see, again, this is absolutely contradictory to the Word of God. And then it says something interesting. Interdependence with the Spirit. Now, he, he capitalizes this S in this quote that I'm reading from. This, this head of the Gorbachev Foundation, this uh, uh, Jim Garrison. So he capitalizes this S like it's the Holy Spirit. Interdependence with the spirit which perennially guides the affairs of humankind. And again, I believe that spirit is the mystery of iniquity that we just talked about. This, it's not the Holy Spirit, but it's the spirit of Antichrist, okay, that is going to guide that wicked one who is soon to be revealed. So it's just interesting kind of 
comparing a lot of these quotes, you can compare these directly to what the Word of God says. And to, for clarification. Now, Garrison is the front man for the Gorbachev elite enterprise. He is an adherent of the Theosophical School of Manly P. Hall, who was, who was probably considered the greatest Freemason of the 1900s. He is a Rosicrucian into every kind of secret society you can imagine. Um, he so so this Garrison is a he's a frontman for Gorbachev and he's an adherent of the of the Theosophical School of Manly P Hall. He touts the long-held America as Atlantis utopian plan of Francis Bacon. Many more uh, more from the American America's Empire. So we're going to be quoting a little bit from his book just so we can understand some of the undercurrents of the Zeitgeist agenda and of the agenda that's being presented here. Uh, now, um, this is on page 57 of M- America's Empire by Jim Garrison. Of particular importance to the thinking and politics of the Founding Fathers was the work of Francis Bacon, who in some ways was the spiritual godfather of the American Republic. Bacon left a legacy of achieved, unrivaled, of achievement unrivaled in his generation. He was a writer who some scholars believe authored several of the works attributed to Shakespeare. I, uh, there, there's, a, there's a DVD that CuttingEdge.org Ministries put out called The Secret Mysteries of America's Beginnings, The New Atlantis. If you want further clarification on this particular issue, I would watch that video. I actually purchased the video, and I watched it several times. There are some that say that this attacks the King James Bible, and I don't see how it attacks the King James Bible. I I watched it three or four times, and I didn't get that at all. Not one bit. And I don't agree with with everything... um, in regard to David Bay's stance on the King James Bible, okay? I don't agree with that. But the thing is, is I did not come away watching this DVD believing that that the King James Bible was being attacked. It was actually an excellent expose of, of looking at this thing with Francis Bacon, The Secret Beginnings of America, how a lot of these supposed the, of, of the founding fathers, particularly Benjamin Franklin, were influenced uh, by this man and a lot of the subsequent people who were also influenced by this man. They've got another uh, DVD called Riddles in Stone, Secret Architecture of Washington, D.C., and this goes on to further exemplify how America was originally formed as the, like, the new Atlantis, and that there's so many signs that point to that, just in the architecture of Washington, D.C. alone. They're undeniable. I mean, it's just... The amount of evidence is is absolutely staggering when you objectively look at this particular subject. So, if we go further, um, this in regard to uh, Francis Bacon, he was friend and counselor to Queen Elizabeth I. He was also friend of the explorer Sir Walter Raleigh. Raleigh had tried unsuccessfully to find to found a colony in what was now North Carolina. Although he had failed in doing that, he brought back and introduced to England potatoes and tobacco, at the same time igniting Europe's imagination with the possibility of the new world. It was Bacon, Francis Bacon, who penned the first popular expression of these possibilities in a curious little manuscript titled New Atlantis, which he wrote in 1624, but which was published posthumously in 1627. Okay, so this, again, we're just trying to give you a little bit of the um, foundation here. Now, I've also done a study on George Washington that you might want to go look at. Uh, The the amount of information on that is just absolutely staggering in regard to his interlinking with the Freemasons and these types of things and this absolute, this agenda. And so I'm probably going to redo that study sometime in the near future because I've discovered uh, probably about twice as much information as I have when I first did the study, all pointing to the exact same direction here. Okay, so again, the history books that we're being told many times are are not accurate, okay? You cannot depend upon our government to give you the truth in regard to history, in regard to the true history of of this country. Not to say it's all lies, every bit of it, but um, many times there's a lot of lies intermingled with truth. So if we go further on page 61 of this of this book we're quoting from America's Empire by Jim Garrison he says Bacon Francis Bacon invoked the lost civilization of Atlantis to underscore that paradise was and can be lost but he reframed that ancient myth 
and cautionary tale within the possibility of a new Atlantis that could be created in the new world Europeans had just discovered. Paradise could be rebuilt in the virgin country of America. Only if the inhabitants of the new world lost their connection with the light. So let me just say that one again. Only if the inhabitants of the new world lost their connection with the light, they would they, like Atlantis, be destroyed. Now this light is like Satan coming as an angel of light. Okay? You know, Lucifer, the light bearer. Okay, so this is the light they're in reference to, the the light of Lucifer. Uh, Page 62 says, Benjamin Franklin summarized this vision when he said that America's true destiny was not to be about power, but it was to be about light. Here we go again with the light. Um, The United States soon discovered that having such a foundation of light gave it an extraordinary wisdom in the acquisition of power. Right from the beginning, even before the Revolutionary War of 1776, the Americans demonstrated remarkable agility in their interactions with the British, then the dominant European power. Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, James Madison, among numerous others, were all revolutionaries. They were also members of the Masonic Order, the Freemasons a secret society dedicated to the teachings of the mystical Christianity. Now, the Bible says you cannot bow your knee to Baal and God at the same time. You've got to choose whom this day, who you're going to serve. If you're trying to bow the knee to Baal and God, which is what most Masons think they're doing, because, well, I'm a good Mason, but I go to church, it doesn't work that way. That, 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 that is lukewarm Christianity at its finest, okay? And you can't, you, you can't do that in God's sight and, and expect you know, to obtain mercy in that point. So really, what the, what the Masonic Order was, it was a secret society dedicated to the teachings of what they, what he refers to as mystical Christianity, or sometimes they would refer to that as Gnostic Christianity. Gnostic meaning hidden knowledge. Okay, so again, this is what they were, they were all about. And they were steeped of the political thinking of Locke, Smith, Hume, and they were schooled in the Enlightenment thinking of Des- Des- Descartes, Voltaire, Montesquieu, they were immersed in the esoteric teachings of ancient Egypt, Greece, and Rome. They were devoted to the scientific method and mystical writings of Bacon, Francis Bacon. And as they fought in the Revolutionary War, as they created the Constitution of the United States, the Founding Fathers brought these strains together to achieve the whole new, a whole new kind of nation based on a radically new notion of human possibility. As Washington put it, America, this is a quote he's saying, America was to become what Freemasonry already was, a temple of virtue. Freemasonry was a temple of virtue? Well, hey, if you ask the average Mason, that's what they'll say. They, they, I, I saw this video the other day. It was the most pitiful thing I think I've ever seen. There was a guy that was at a Shriners convention, and he was outside the door talking to these Shriners as they came out the door. And he asked the Shriner, and I'm, tar- I'm sorry, but these people are, are, I believe, just totally demon-possessed. I, of whom a man is brought into bondage, the same he has overcome. Okay, of, of whom a man has overcome the same is brought into bondage. When you go and you willingly sit and you go into these organizations, these fraternal organizations like this, and you, and you willingly let yourself get into bondage, you will be overcome. It has to happen. It's just like if you go and you sit in a false church. You're going to start believing the lies if you sit in there long enough. That's why the Bible says, Wherefore come up from among her, my children, and be not partakers of her plagues. Okay? Uh, you cannot sit in these types of places, whether it's a Freemasonic or whether it's a false church, and not be affected spiritually. Because you're voluntarily going there and putting... Now, it's one thing if you were going there, one, like I went up to Todd Bentley and we prayed for five or six hours straight. Okay, I wasn't going there to fellowship with those people. I was going there to pray against what was going on there. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Two or three days later, the tents were down, and then that big scandal broke out where he started, uh, where he, uh, they found out that he was um, cheating on his wife. He wanted a divorce. He'd had like a couple different affairs. I'm not making this stuff up. This is why Todd Bentley so much faded out. You know how much my prayers and the man that were with me when we went up there from from our church, how much our prayers had to do with that. I don't, I don't know 100, percent but I praise the Lord it happened. I'm not going to take credit for it. The Lord's the one that did it. I mean, obviously what was going on there was pure wickedness. So, we have a lot of power 
as Christians, through the power of prayer, through the power of fasting, uh, that I think a lot of us don't realize that we actually do have. And we're going to need that going into the day and times that we're moving into. So if we go further, it says in this quote, it says, The United States was the first nation in history to be consciously created as a place of perfection. The great seal of the United States, printed on every dollar bill, summarizes the great promise that the United States was founded to embody. It depicts a pyramid that the ancient Egyptians used as a metaphor for the tip of a beam of light. At the top of the pyramid is the all-seeing eye of Horus, or Lucifer, the Egyptian sun god, whose essence is light and who represents the eye of knowledge. Underneath the pyramid are inscribed the words Novus Order Secorum, which means new order for the ages. Now, on top of it, it says, Anut Coeptus Novus Order Secorum, meaning announcing the birth, Anut announcing Coeptus the birth, like conception Coeptus, announcing the birth of the new world order, Novus Order Secorum. Okay, so um, I've actually looked those words up and, and, you know, I did even a keyword search on it one time to actually get the exact meanings, and it does mean that. Okay, so you have to wonder, I mean, this is the dollar bill here. Okay, we've got all these occult symbols on our money. We've got all of this, these, um, this proof that a lot of the foundations of this country was actually occultic. And we're, we're told, no, it was all Christianity. It was all, you know, this or that. I'm not saying there was no Christians back then. I'm just saying that we're not getting the full story. Okay? 1776, at the base of the pyramid, on the, on the dollar bill. All that means is the Declaration of Independence was signed that year. Well, you know what else was started that year? The official start of the Illuminati by Adam Weishaupt on, on May 1st. 1776. What was that? Now that was before the Declaration of Independence was signed. By a couple months, a few months, I'm sorry. So May 1st, what's that? Beltane. That's one of the highest occult holidays there are. If you look at an occult calendar, Beltane or May Day, which is where they gather around the male pole. Do you know the May, May pole is a, is a phallic symbol of the male phallus? And when they have the, the ribbons that they wrap around and it's, it's like the intertwining of the male phallus and the female genitalia. Yeah, that's what all that means. It's all perverted, every bit of it. Every one of the holidays that we celebrate on the majority, uh, the majority of holidays we have in this country are satanic in origin, unfortunately. And we've done studies on several. I've, I'm going to reissue the one on Halloween that I've, I did last year um, just to kind of, so everybody has that and they might want to refresh themselves on that. So this quote ends by saying, In this spirit, the Founding Fathers intended the United States to be the greatest of nations, destined to be an inspiration to all. Okay, see, the occultists see what really happened with the formation of this country way, way, way differently than the average Christian or even the average pastor. And unfortunately, the more I uncover, and a lot of times I'm not even trying to uncover this, the more I'm seeing we have occult roots that actually started this country, okay? Now, I'm not saying it was all bad. I'm not saying everybody was evil and everybody was was a Freemason and everybody was a closet Satanist. I'm not going that far, okay? But I'm saying this was done in secret, okay? And the Illuminati was formed in 1776, officially, May 1st, Beltane, by Adam Weishaupt. And, and he had a lot to do with... They had a lot to do with bringing the Freemasons into this country and establishing. It's a secret society, right? It's done in secret. Okay? And we know if we look at the, at the Freemasons and the Shriners, and, and if you want to look at what they call the Jesters, which is another wicked, wicked faction of the Freemasonic society, we're talking, this is Babylonian mystery religions, repackaged. This is going to be the essence of the coming one world religion. The Freemasons. Okay, a lot of people say, yeah, it's just going to all be Catholic. No, it's not. It's going to be an amalgamation of things. I believe it's going to be back, we're going back to the way it was at the Tower of Babel. Okay? God had to separate everybody at the Tower of Babel because all the peoples of the world had come together and formed basically a one world political system, one world religious system, one world government. And it was bad. And it was wicked. Okay, and God had to split everybody up. Well, what are we getting today? We're getting the same thing. We're getting all the nations and the races coming together, and we're going to be combining and amalgamating all of our belief systems into one, except this time it's going to be under the Antichrist. 
And God's not going to separate everybody like He did at the Tower of Babel this time. He's going to let them have it their way for a time period. Okay, so now we go into further. It says parts 3 and 4 of this Zeitgeist Addendum supports this utopian reordering of society that occultists have longed for. See, the occultists long for this utopian reordering of society. And then it says, Enter the technocracy. The movement's futurist genius, Jacques Fresco. At this point, the film essentially espouses as a solution to the lies and ills of capitalism, competition and free market, an unabashed, technocratic, anarch-communitarian sociology. Wow, now that is a real tongue twister. Sorry, I'm not probably nailing every one of these words right, but uh, these are words I've never even seen before. But uh, we'll go further. It says, part three at 54 minutes and 27 seconds, begins with a quote from Bernard Latire about greed and competition. Latire is an important man. He is a member of the Club of Rome, which is the establishment's population reduction conclave that wants to kill off all the useless eaters, about 90 to 95%. So they start off with a quote from him. I mean, that sounds like a good good person to be quoting from. He just wants to kill 90 to 95% of all the world population. This man was also intimately involved with something called the Gaia Corp, named after the Earth Goddess, worshipped by the United Nations Theosophical Occultists. Of course, now, I've done whole studies on the United Nations, on um, the United Nations Meditation Room. You just key in the word UN in my keyword search, uh, in my search box on my homepage. Any any subject that, that you could think about, and if I've done a teaching or mention it in a teaching, uh, I've tried to go through and... and and redo my keywords so that, that we've refreshed them and, and they're a little bit more up to date right now. But I've done quite a bit of study on that particular subject alone. And you'll see how that ties into what we're talking about today and confirms what we're talking about today. This man, Bernard Latire, was also responsible for the design and the implementation of the ECU, the convergence mechanism of the euro, the currency, the single European currency, and the theorists behind the so-called Terra currency. Now, the Terra currency, I had never really heard of that. I looked it up on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia defines this Terra currency as the name of a possible world currency. And again, one world government, one world political system, one world religious system, one world currency. So this Terra currency is the name of the possible one world currency. Uh, the concept is currently proposed by Belgian economist Bernard Latere and is based upon the historic proposal of El Europa. That's a word you'll see come up quite a bit as well. There's a, there's a uh, one of the planets that has has a El Europa is one of its moons, and you'll hear that Europa mentioned okay a lot with the coming one world government. It just I think that's plus I like the way it kind of rolls off the tongue. Sorry, just kidding. Anyway, so this currency is meant to be based off. Um, nah, that's really not even important. Anyway, I just wanted to touch upon that point there. Uh, that film. Okay, so that the Zeitgeist Addendum chose to quote this man is significant, and it's no wonder that parts three and four are ripe with the buzz terms such as sustainability. These are New World Order, particularly a lot of times depopulation buzzwords, okay? Sustainability, carrying capacity, resource-based economy, common heritage, and world unification. Jacques Fresco's answer to the ultimate and inevitable collapse of the monetary system is to offer up his own unique solution to replace it. It's called the Venus Project. Now, this is really weird because, it's not weird, but the Lord many times will confirm things to me out of, uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established, okay? And I got, I had never heard of this Venus Project at all. Never heard of it in my life. And yesterday, I get I, I get an email from, from a man on my email list, a, bro, a Christian brother, about this. And I had never seen it. And I'm thinking, you know, I, there's just so much time I have. I, I'm just so inundated a lot of times with emails and stuff. I can't research everything. But I get an email from him about this. And I click into it and I look at it and I'm like, this looks crazy. You know, it's like this utopian type of... of um, of, of cities that they're wanting to create with all this futuristic architecture and, and you know, this and that, okay? But I didn't really want to look at it anymore because I just didn't have the time. And then I start researching this subject on the Zeitgeist Addenda and I run across the same exact word. 
And I think all three, all three of the uh, articles that I'm going to be quoting from today, which I thought that's kind of strange, it goes on to say that um, this Jacques Fresco, uh, this, his solution for this whole mess we're in on planet Earth is the Venus Project. Now, I'm going to be talking more about this later. Okay, uh, I don't want to give too much away on it right now, but um, we'll be talking more about it later. Uh, so stay, stay tuned there. He's an advocate of the cybernated society in what he terms socio-cyber-nearing. Socio-cyber-nearing. I mean, these words are amazing here. Plugging into the cybernated society into Google Books search is one, is one is confronted by results from the works of Henry Marginal, who is a world government advocate, Paul Goodman, who is a new left anarchist sociologist, Leo Huberman, who is a socialist agitator, um, sociology as a term and the practice of social sciences goes back to Claude Henry de Saint-Simon, the original technocrat, and his pupil Auguste Comte, inventor of positivism, positivism, sorry, these words are just getting the best of me today, anyway, uh, St. Simonians in the early 1800s called for a new economic parliament of Europe and the transnational authority. The political structure had to be replaced by a social authority and a technocratic utopia run by scientists, inventors, and engineers. A totally scientific system whose followers proselytized for social control, challenged individualism with the goal of creating an elite of the new age. And again, this this information, all of the stuff that I'm talking about today is all referenced. Okay, I'm not just making this stuff up, or the guy that wrote this article is not making this stuff up. Um, and I'll try to put this all in a PDF format so you can go. There's a lot of links that you can click on of terms that I talked about in this last article. Then you can actually click on them and go see exactly what each term means. Okay, because uh, this is pretty heady stuff in, in a demonic way. And then he goes on to say, much like St. Simon before him and Bacon's New Atlantis, Peter, Peter Joseph's techno-guru, now Peter Joseph, the guy that released the zeitgeist addendum, his techno-guru, Jacques Fresco, believes in the society of scientists. Now, this is the same guy that, that is starting this thing called the Venus Project. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about that right yet. We're going to get into that a little bit later. The technicians, he says, in the addendum, at around 1 hour and 5 minutes and 30 seconds, are the only ones sufficiently advanced enough and with the necessary skills to solve the real problems of the world. Again, it's never Christ or biblical-centered. It's always about man. What can man do to save the world? You know, And that's pride. And then he go, this ends by saying technology as the savior is one of the central themes and also man with a capital M as God. And again, it just goes right back to the first lie in the Garden of Eden okay, that where Satan tempted Eve. You shall be as gods. It's that Satan hasn't changed anything. Now, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this now. This Venus Project. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Now, this is one of the central themes. If you if you look at this Zeitgeist Addendum, this is one of the central themes, okay, of this whole um, thing. And remember, this is a um, this was started by this Jacques Fresco, who's one of the main guys that are uh, quoted. And this is supposedly the ultimate solution to all the world's problems and everything else. So, this Venus project, which is intricately tied in with the Zeitgeist Addendum, I'm quoting from their website now, uh, is a veritable blueprint for the genesis of a new world civilization, one that is based on human concern and environmental reclamation. The plans for the Venus project offer society a broader spectrum of choices based on the scientific possibilities directed toward a new era of peace and sustainability for all. Now, that's, those are always the New Age budwords, peace. Now, the only one that can bring true peace is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Okay, We're only going to have peace after Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom here. Okay, so uh, during the thousand year millennium, that's when we're going to have true peace. We're not going to have it before then. So, but they're, again, they're all wanting to do everything man centered. Okay. Goes on to say, through the implementation of a resource based economy, uh, 
and a multitude of innovative and environmentally friendly technologies directly applied to the social system, the Venus Project proposals will dramatically reduce crime, poverty, hunger, homelessness, and many other pressing problems that are common throughout today's world. One of the cornerstones of the organization's findings is the fact that many of the dysfunctional behaviors of today's society stem directly from the dehumanizing environment of a monetary system. So, see, that's what's caused for all of our woes, because we've got money. That's what they try to blame it all on. Now, granted, the love of money is the root of all evil, okay? But I don't remember Jesus coming back and railing on the monetary system, saying, get rid of all your money, and, and it's not... When it says one of the cornerstones of the organization's findings, the fact that many of the dysfunctional behaviors of today's society stem directly from the dehumanizing environment of the monetary system. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Money, in and of itself, is neither good nor evil. It takes on the personality of the possessor. You could have somebody that is a true Bible-believing Christian that's taking the money and doing whatever God wants them to do with it. The money can be used for great good. It can also be used for great evil. Okay, so it takes on the personality of the possessor. The problem is the demons and the devils and Satan and the fallen angels that have been here and have been corrupting this planet from the get-go. Okay? And that's and that um, when it talks about dysfunctional behaviors of, to, of today's society, that's not money's fault. It is, it is the other, it is the spiritual aspect. And all of these things, when you see all these utopian people and these new world orders and they want this sustainability, and they want, none of their solutions address the spiritual component of the demons and the devils and the fallen angels and Satan himself that have corrupted society and these types of things. None of them point to the true answer, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. None of them do that. It's all man-centered. It's as though it's this little problem that we can just fix by changing things physically. Okay, now yeah, if we got to depopulate 90 to 95% of the planet, you know, we're changing things physically. If we've got to do this and we've got to do that, none of that is going to get rid of the demons and devils. Not, not one bit of it. So again, it's just a lie from the pit of hell if you start looking at this. Now, I'm looking at this, at this, um, Venus Project, and if you go up to the webpage, thevenusproject.com, I mean, they show all these unbelievably futuristic Buildings and they're all dome, like geodesic dome buildings, and they're and they're and they're made to withstand you know high winds, and and they're very energy efficient, and everything is 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 uh, it looks really super futuristic. In fact, it, it puts you in mind of, and I'm not advising going out, but James Bond that movie Moonraker. Okay, where they went up and they went up into space, and they wanted to have this this utopian. Uh, community up in space, and this mad scientist had gotten together all like the the most beautiful and the brightest together, so they they could have their their mating pairs essentially, and they were going to breed up in space. At the same time, they were releasing this poisonous gas derived from this plant on Earth to kill the world's population off totally, so that when all of these people up in space had made babies and all these other things. They could come down and repopulate the planet with the right people. It puts you in mind, and that's really how the show was. That's how Moonraker was. And these are propaganda tools. Hollywood is a propaganda tool. Okay, and they're conditioning the masses, and they've been doing it for a long time. But these pictures really put you in mind of that show, Moonraker. Um... The, the the buildings, I mean, the way they've got them portrayed, I mean, it's like Buck Rogers, you know, that's how you kind of, you look at these and you're like, wow, I mean, that's impressive. And then they've got their, you know, you've got click here to order books and videos and DVDs and click here to download our our free screensaver. I, you know, I've, I admit, I, I put it on my computer. No, I'm just kidding. Teasing, teasing, sorry. Anyway, uh, then it goes into, okay, so what are the aims and proposals of the Venus Project? Okay, phase one. The first phase of the Venus Project's long-term plans are already underway. Jacques Fresco, futurist, inventor, industrial designer, and founder of the Venus Project and his associate Roxanne Meadows have completed the construction of a 25-acre center in Venus, Florida to help present the proposals of the Venus Project. Now, I about fell over on my chair when I read this because most people that live in the county that I live in don't even know there is a Venus, Florida. And it's not too far away from where I live. And I mean, I'm talking, it's very close. But most people don't even know it exists. It's a little inland community um, 
near South Central Florida, kind of off Lake Okeechobee a little bit. And unless you know this one shortcut, I've dro- I drive through there all the time. I've always been intrigued with this area. It's actually a very pretty area, but most people don't even know it exists. And I thought of all places on the planet, you know, I thought they put this this place in like, you know, I don't know, just some real famous place. Venus, Florida. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, um, definitely want to check this out. <laughs> but uh, then we go to phase two of their project. And now again, they've already, I went up and I researched the website. They've already got a lot of the buildings have already been built out there. They're all like these geodesic white domes, real futuristic looking. They've got like, they're on swimming pools and stuff like that. It's it's already been built in Venus. 25 acre complex. So um, I already emailed the lady and asked her about tours and stuff, you know. I want to see what the devil's doing out there. So anyway, then phase two. Phase two includes the production of a full-length feature film that will depict how a world embracing the proposal to, proposals advanced by the Venus Project would work. The film would provide a positive vision of a peaceful society in which all human beings form a global family on planet Earth. Now, if that doesn't sound like the New World Order, I don't know what does. Okay, so understand, these are these are the same New World Orders that want to depopulate the planet 90 to 95%. Yes, they're going to candy coat, and they're going to make this appear as the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, but the reality is, is there's a very incredibly evil agenda behind this. And then we have Phase 3. Phase 3 is to test its designs and proposals... The Venus Project is working toward putting its ideals into practice by the construction of an experimental research city. Now, this is going beyond the 25-acre research city they've already got in Venus, Florida. And again, the word Venus, we have a lot of occult um, significance there in that word Venus. Okay, Venus is associated with like the goddess Venus and I understand the planet. Okay, But again, they picked Venus, Florida for a reason. Okay, and evidently there must be something in Venus, Florida that was very attractive to them, not only from a name standpoint, but also from possibly a, a, a very high-level occultic demonic standpoint. There's got to be a reason, because these high-level Satanists just don't do this stuff for no reason. There, there's reasons behind everything that they do, and they're very you know superstitious in, in that regard. So then they're, they're right now they're... Uh, trying to put together designs and proposals for this experimental city. Uh, the blueprints for most of the initial technologies and buildings have begun. Fundraising efforts are currently underway to help support the construction of the first experimental city. The new experimental research city would be devoted to working toward the aims and goals of the Venus Project, which are... This is the aims and goals of the Venus Project. Now, I'm not going to read them all, okay? But I'm going to read the ones that are pertinent. Number one, realizing the declaration of the world's resources as being the common heritage of all world's people. Number two, transcending the need for artificial boundaries that separate people. Now, we're already moving into this with the North American Union, where they're going to start to remove boundaries and merge all the countries together. And again, that's the same thing, the Tower of Babel, that they were doing at the Tower of Babel. Everybody was coming together. Everybody was amalgamating all of their belief systems into one. Okay, and one person, one high-level belief system has has a, has a certain part of their occult witchcraft down to a science, and then another the part has it down to a science. But when you start bringing them all together, you have more power from an occult witchcraft standpoint, from a religious system standpoint. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why it's dangerous. And then number three, this is one of their goals: outgrowing monetary-based nationalistic economies with a resource-based world economy. Okay, so again, we need to outgrow money. We can't have money anymore. Okay, that's the source of all evil. And again, Jesus Christ did not rail against money per se, but against the greed of money. Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't. If money was the root of all evil, he would have just said money is the root of all evil. Okay, but again, as I said, Money takes on the personality of the possessor. Okay? It is neither good nor evil. It it depends whose hands the money is in. You can use money to feed widows and orphans. And these types of things. In that regard, money is not being used for an evil purpose. Okay? Unless you have some alternate agenda. I'm, you know, that's a whole other story there. So then four. 
this is the goals of the Venus Project, assisting in stabilizing the world's population. Oh, I bet. Through education and voluntary birth control. Oh, yeah. But I guarantee you something. It may be voluntary at first. It ain't going to be voluntary at the end. And whenever you see the word stabilizing, okay, or sustainability, these are terms and buzzwords for depopulation. Okay? Because there's too many people on the world right now, and we've got to eradicate 90 to 95% of them to, so that Mother Gaia is not grieved anymore. Because if we don't do this, Mother Gaia, they believe, is going to take wrath on its inhabitants. It's what they believe. Okay? And then we got number 12. Or Mother Nature, sorry. And Father Time. Oh, sorry, we just got a little crazy there. Uh, number 12, outgrowing nationalism. Bigotry and prejudice toward education. Now, this is where really I think they would really target the Christians because they would refute. They would look at us as prejudiced and bigoted because we think we have the only true path to heaven. I don't think that the Word of God says that. Okay, that's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says. Jesus Christ said, "I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." Okay, I saw this disturbing thing yesterday. I was researching um, this this thing that we're talking about today, and on Alex Jones's website, I look over, and he's got all these advertisements off to the right side, and it says, and there's this big picture of like this Catholic church, and it says uh, something to the effect of what happened to the, you know, what really happened to the Catholic church. I'm like, what is this? Because there's all these these theories up there saying that Alex Jones is, a, is what they call a Jesuit coadjutor, that he's like a co- closet Jesuit. And I click into this thing, and it's a it's a link going to like holymonastery.com or something, and it's got all these links in there that are rapidly promoting the Catholic Church. One of the links said the Catholic Church is the old, there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church. That was one of the links. It was a 345 page PDF you could click into that this devil had wrote that saying there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. That is contradictory to the Word of God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus Christ, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, it's not through the Catholic Church or through works, lest any man should boast. So I was really infuriated, and to be honest with you, it really confirmed a lot of what I had already suspected about Alex Jones. Now I'm not saying you can't go up to his website and glean things, but just be very careful and understand his solution ultimately is man-centered. We need to rise up. We need to do this. We need to do this and that, and you know. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to ultimately prevail over the situation. I'm not saying we sit idly by and do nothing, you know, um, but it, whatever you do, let it be something that the Lord Jesus Christ, and whether that's praying or fasting about these situations, uh, the Bible says, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this world. We know the strong delusion's coming. We know the one world government's coming. These types of things. It's not something that you're going to stop. But Alex Jones, his solutions and the solutions of so many people that are exposing these types of agendas that I get into are always man-centered. They're not pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. His strength, his power, his might, his word, they're not doing that. They're pointing to some man or some do this and do that thing. Okay, now I understand the Bible says the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself and the simple pass on and are punished. And the Bible also says to consider the ant because he stores up his harvest in the summer so he has food in the winter. And that's a paraphrase, but there are certain things that I think we should do when we see the evil coming. Okay, but ultimately, although Alex Jones exposes a lot of evil, when I see him pointing people to the Catholic Church, and a guy emailed me and he said, well, no, that's just an advertisement. He doesn't have anything to do with that. Trust me, he has control over what content is on his own website. Okay? Whether they're paying him or he's letting them do it for free, he's advertising all kinds of products off to the right. And a lot of those products are really good. But I could not believe... And it was the biggest link up there that he had. Now, he might take this down very quickly. I sent out the link to my email list last night, as quickly as, as on the same day I saw it, because, you know, I went back and I rechecked it, I double-checked it, I said, you know what, this this is not a, this is not my opinion. 
in this link it tells you like where to go to to you know get a confessional and and, and this and that about and then refuting the Protestant faith and all this other stuff. I'm telling you, this is uh, it's not good, real bad. So the the twelfth goal. I'm going to skip some goals here of this Venus Project. There's outgrowing nationalism, bigotry, and prejudice through education. No, through brainwashing, which is what we're getting pretty much right now anyway, either in the public school systems and or newspapers and or magazines and or TV. That's what you're getting. That's why you have to be educated to understand and be able to divide, you know, the truth and the lies. And then 13, outgrowing any type of elitism. Technical or otherwise. Now, I thought this was the most ironic goal of them all. How ironic is these are the same reprobates that are endeavoring to reduce world population by 90 to 95%, and they're saying that we don't, we can't have elitism? And yet they're the only ones th- that think that they have the right to survive and live on this planet? You call that, I don't know what elitism is if that's not elitism. You have to die. So Mother Guy is not grieving so that I can live because I know better. I just thought that was pretty ironic. And then phase four, after research, after the research, the experimental city is built. A theme park is also planned that will both entertain and inform visitors about the possibilities for humane and environmentally friendly lifestyles. Environmentally friendly lifestyles? That means the gays and the lesbians and the transgender, they just do their thing and don't you dare judge them or you'll die because you got no right to judge them. The, the environmental friendly lifestyles planned by the Venus Project. So I just tell you what, I, I, I was really, um, <laughs> I saw that and I just couldn't believe what I, that, this, that this little 25 acre phase one community, which is as far as they've got right now, is right around the corner from where I, I live. I mean, it would probably take me about, uh, I don't know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes to get out there, I guess, but still. And this is so hidden away in a part of Florida. And so anyway, if, if I get any updates on that, I'll let you know. I'm going to go to part two next because I've run out of time on this part. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there.